My name's Peyton. I'm the mom to two boys who are eight and 10. I've been a part of mom to mom since they were little bitty. And today I'm going to host um, a panel for you all today about how to deal about with your family and the holidays. And if you just put those two words together in one sentence, your blood pressure just escalated just there and then. Um, and the holidays can be a source of stress for moms. There's, it's supposed to be this like joyous, momentous occasion with all these Instagramable posts and matching PJs and desserts and hot cocoa bombs. But really, there's all these like societal norms and families and siblings who don't get along and travel and little kids and nap time. And so I know there's a lot of stressors that come with um, being a mom during the holidays. And I think it's important to recognize that we all feel stress during the holidays, and I read a recent survey that said nine out of 10 moms experience um, anxiety and stress in the holidays, and the other one mom didn't understand the question. So, <laughs> all right, uh, so we all get there, and by week, if we can all discuss it together, we can support each other and hopefully reduce the anxiety and maybe increase the joy just a little bit. So I have three ladies here today that we're gonna talk with, and they're gonna share with us their wisdom their experience to hopefully give you a plan over the holiday season instead of just panic that we sometimes feel. Um, this is not a one-size-fits-all approach to your holidays and to your stress, but rather just their perspective, their wisdom, their experience, and they all three come from different backgrounds and different seasons of life right now. So I think it's gonna be very valuable whether you have little kids, teenagers, or even the leaders, if you have kids of your own dealing with your in-laws or daughter-in-laws. So first we have uh, Kristen Petrus right here. She has five kids, ranging how many ages? Six to 18, so there you go. She's still in all the stages all the time. Um, and she and her husband, Joey, uh, grew up here locally and had in-laws and parents that lived here locally. And she actually um, has divorced parents, so that was a dynamic influencing their holidays. And in the middle, we have Martha Bond, who we all know and love, Martha. Um, both her and her husband, Ed, grew up in a really big family, and they raised two kids here um, with out-of-state families. So they have a different perspective there. Um, currently, they, are, they have two grandbabies that they love, that they love the most. Okay, mm-hmm, got it. And then Terry, on the end, has five kids, two of which are twins, and their uh, dynamic was that Everybody was here. <laughs> so she's got one married daughter, no grandkids yet, right? But we're praying that into existence. Okay, all right. Well, let me preface this uh, by saying that we did not get to all of your questions. Some of them were very specific. And if you have a really specific question that you're just devastated that we did not answer, that's a great uh, question to bring up to your group to get their perspective. But we really did try to take all your questions and kind of group them together into some hot topics and hot buttons for you guys as moms. And like I said, you might not agree with everything here, but these are our perspectives, their perspectives, their wisdom. This is not the gospel truth. And so what might work for our family or your family may not work for you know, your neighbor's family. And as your kids get older and your family dynamics change, it's okay to change your game plan each year because Parents may move, you may move, kids get older, you're no longer lugging a packing play, but now you have like a teenager, you know, right, who needs to nap, right? So it all changes, and that's okay. Um, so it's okay to pivot. Um, so, but you need a game plan, and that's really where we're gonna, where we're gonna jump off today and get started. And I think most of us, if we're honest, 
don't have a good game plan going into the holidays. And I've done this, you're in the car, going to XYZ's house, arguing with your husband about why you should or should not be going or how long we're gonna stay, and you got kids in the backseat with their itchy Christmas sweaters, you know, and you're trying to arrive as the happy family, but you've threatened them with their lives to get to this little joyful Christmas occasion. Smile. Um, so it all starts with a game plan. I think we can mitigate the holiday stresses if we have a game plan. So Kristen, tell us about how you talked about your expectations with Joey, your husband, around the holidays and how you decided what you were going to do and what you weren't going to do. Okay, uh, let me start off by saying that I did not do a good job of this. So um, I thought I did. We talked about that we would spend Thanksgiving one year with my family and the next year with his family, and then Christmas would be at our house, and anybody who wanted to come was welcome, but that was the extent of our game plan. So we went into the holidays, and it did not turn out great. Um, Really what you need to do is talk about, have a serious conversation with your husband of, what about your childhood? What about your holidays did you like or what did you not like? My husband had every person at their Thanksgiving table, their neighbors, their friends, everybody. And me coming from a divorced family, we had really small gatherings. And so that led to a lot of hurt feelings. And really the problem was just we didn't know what the other one wanted. And so just really take time to talk about what is in your heart and what you want for your family. Um, And then once you come up with that game plan, um, make sure you both agree on it and then you'll move to the next step. And um, so when we're communicating to our family, uh, those conversations can be challenging. So Martha, how have you handled conversations with your in-laws about what you will participate in, what you want, and how does that conversation go? It's really hard. <laughs> How's that? Um, I will say my mother-in-law lived with us for three years, so I have that perspective, too. Um, God tells us to honor our parents, and so I think we need to start there, but we need to be respectful. We need to watch our words and our tone of voice, and it's best to be prayed up before. If you're... Um, If it's your husband's mom, then he needs to be the spokesperson. I found that always worked better. Um, If it's mine, then I would talk to my mother. Sometimes you can be cornered by your mother-in-law. And she says, y'all are coming on November 22nd and staying through the 24th, right? Well, that sounds like a great idea. But... I'll need to talk to my husband about it first. I'll get back with you. So you you just stall because you really do need to talk it out and make sure that you're all on the same page. It is, um, I'm a peacemaker to a fault. But I wanted to read you because I can't remember it right, but I will, honoring your parents doesn't mean obeying them or doing what they want in the same way you did as children. You might have to disappoint them, but do it in a loving, respectful way. God has called you to be a peacemaker, but not a doormat. 
Thank you. So it, once we're able to communicate our plans with our husband and then our families, and if all goes well, they'd be all happy, but that's not usually how that yeah. goes. So Terry, will you share with us, like, how do we respond when our in-laws are unhappy with our decision or, you know, you've, you know, somebody made someone happy and someone unhappy usually, but how do you navigate that and how do you handle that, how it makes you feel? Sure. So, you know, looking back, one of the things I wish I'd done more of is, as Martha said, prayed up before, you know, going into the trenches. Now, I was very fortunate. I had great in-laws. However, we have a very big family, and the bigger they are, the more opinions you get and expectations, you know, rise. So, you know, you are going to find that there are going to be people that are going to be disappointed with what decisions you choose to make for your family. And for me, um, I had an incident where I needed to make a decision that was best for my children. They weren't feeling good at the moment, and I needed to exit and that wasn't received very well. Now, it wasn't anything harsh, but I knew I was disappointing them, but I knew what was best for my children. And so I stood my ground very, you know, respectfully, and we left, came back about two or three hours later, and it was fine. And so you have to own what is important for you and your husband and your family and be okay with that and know that we all disappoint people. You will disappoint your in-laws and your parents and the extended family at some point. If you haven't, something's wrong with you. <laughs> um, so just know that going in. But if you can go ahead and set the expectations up front and you can set the boundaries up front, then you're less likely to run into any issues. And if you do, you're at least ready and you're, you know, armed and dangerous. So that's how we did it. We just navigated it by setting the expectations yeah. and understanding that, when they're, you know, when they're disappointed, be okay with that. And say, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't mean to, you know, upset you or I'm sorry, you know, that that's disappointing, but I hope you can respect, you know, our decision as well. Right. Like they are responsible for their own response. You know, they are disappointed and they may say something unkind, but you're, you know, trying to make a good decision for your family. And so Kristen, when we were talking about this in preparation, you emphasized uh, a really good point um, about what lens we should view these conversations through as we're navigating these conversations because they're not easy and they're uncomfortable. Even if it is you talking with your family or your in-laws, it's still hard to, to do that. So what lens should we view those decisions and these conversations? The one thing that you need to remember is that your job is to nurture and protect your family which when I say your family, I mean your husband and your kids, not your mom or your husband's mom or your brothers or sisters. Um, that is what our job is as parents. And while it would be hard to make your mom sad that you're not gonna be home at Christmas, you have to think about what you're sacrificing to make that happen for other people. And a lot of times it's you're sacrificing your own family. And so um, I think if you present that to your parents, they have to respect that. And while they might be disappointed and upset, if you let them know that you're wanting to do what's best to grow your family, just like what they did when it was their time with their young kids, when you were little, um, I think if you present it in that way, it'd be really hard for your parents to be upset with you on that. But again, it is your job to protect your family. And when Joey was talking to like his parents, how did he say that? Or what did you prefer him to say to his mom about your decision that you made together? Yes. So 
as a wife, your husband, when he talks to the parents, you know that your mother-in-law, if your husband tells them you're not coming for whatever event, it's they're going to... You're definitely the problem. <laughs> yes, it is the wife that doesn't want you to come, right? Because why would your son never want to come see their mom? <laughs> so when either you talk to your parents or your husband talks to them, to his parents, you need to make sure that they emphasize that it was a joint decision and not put the blame on the other one and just really stand united against their, your parents. Yeah, Kristen, to, Kristen, to your parents, Kristen told them. me to tell you that we can't come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've had that before. Yeah, Peyton wanted me to tell you that we're not coming. I'm like, why? <laughs> it's a us. We're married together. And to, to echo your point, Kristen, um, I was actually listening to a sermon this week about this, and it was with... Um, the pastor is slipping my name now, Driscoll. And he was saying that when it says in the Bible, like a man leaves his father and mother and goes to unite with his wife. So you do, you have your own nuclear family. And I think even sometimes how we talk about like, well, I'm going home to see my parents. I'm like, oh my gosh, I live in Sonoya. Like I've been married for 16 years. I'm not going home to see my parents. I'm going to, to visit. <laughs> so I think that language just, you know, for me, that was... Um, Interesting to hear that perspective. So once you've navigated all your familial woes, now let's talk about Jesus and Santa, all right? Got lots of questions about that. And so the pressure, the dual pressure of Jesus and Santa Claus during the holidays is challenging. As moms, we wanna instill biblical truths into our children, but we live in a secular world. And so we've sorted through your questions on this topic, and we have a few responses to help you navigate. At the end of the day, we are celebrating Jesus' birth, and so how we do that in our own families is going to look different, and like we said before, it's important to talk to your husband about what you want um, this to be like for your family in advance. So Terry, will you tell us about what you did in your family to balance the Santa situation and the Jesus situation? <laughs> Yeah, this was probably the hardest one because we all have different perspectives and expectations there. And knowing that children are very, when they're small, they are very much into fantasy and it's hard to really communicate uh, on a certain level. And um, I was a homeschool mom for many years and one of the things that I did is I found a book about St. Nicholas who is real and we, we, you know, went from the perspective that, you know, Christmas is about giving, and Jesus gave his life for us. He was born to give us life eternally. And by reading about St. Nicholas, it was an opportunity to kind of explain the giving and why Santa even, you know, came to be. And, you know, there's a lot of cartoons and a lot of movies and a lot of things that surround that. But we never allowed that to, you know, overshadow the real purpose in Christmas. You know, we had the nativity scene out. We attended, you know, our, ad, uh, excuse me, our candlelight services. We did Advent during the holidays. So our children knew the difference. So the expectation was making sure that they understood the difference. And even going into the mall and seeing the different Santas, you know, you get the question, why are there so many Santas? <laughs> you know, where are they coming from? And from our perspective, we just said, these, you know, Santas that you see are, there. think of it like Jesus and the disciples. Jesus needed to get his message out. He used 12 people, 12 men, and then here we are today. So, you know, I just use that perspective that, you know, Jesus, uh, excuse me, um, that the Santas were an extension 
of the givers. So, you know, that was important to us. And then the last thing is um, that, you know, if I could go back, one of the things that I did realize is that when it came to gift giving, that we got caught up in everything was from Santa. And my husband at some point goes, okay, I work really hard. I want some credit for this. So we started just giving one big gift from Santa, and then we gave the rest from us under the tree. You may not want to do that. That's okay. But what I'm saying to you is it changed over time. You start to try some things, and then you and your husband go, mm, I don't know if we like this or this is working. Be okay with keeping it fluid so that you're still united in what you do choose to do. Awesome. Martha, how did you guys juggle the two with your kids? I'm a former kindergarten teacher, and they get a lot of that stuff at school and all over the world, all over the community. So I really pushed Jesus at our house. And so I would change out all, not all the books, cause, but a lot of books. I put all the Christmas books, and we read a different Christmas book. Or there's so many good ones out there. Uh, the Nativity about Mary, Jesus. And so we read those, we, ha we did that. We also had birthday cakes for Jesus, and that looks different. So this year with my baby, she's three, we're going, I'll make the cake and she'll decorate it because we really don't care what it looks like. It's for Jesus. <laughs> and then on Christmas Day, we'll put a candle in it and let her blow them out and sing happy birthday, and it's fun. Some years it was cupcakes. Some years it was store-bought cakes. And we did it. Some When the kids were bigger, they made the cake themselves, and they loved to get up in the kitchen and do that. Um, another thing I have already purchased for my young people is a, um, a nativity scene they can touch and, and move around and not one that they can only use their eyes. We always had one that was that at home, and so I put it down in their reach so that they could move it around. Um, something fun I'm going to do with Parker this Saturday, we're going to, I have a flat stone about this big, and it's painted white, and we're going to draw a marker, and it'll be baby Jesus. And then we're going to hide. She likes to hide and find things. So that's fun with anybody. You know, you can just hide things. It can be a the nativity, the baby Jesus from a nativity set, you can hide that as well. Another idea that we did instead of Elf on the Shelf was um, I took a Mary and Joseph from, from our nativity set that they can touch, and we would hide it, and we would say, Jesus, Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem to have baby Jesus. Let's see if we can find them. So we just kept pushing the Jesus stuff. Yep. Um, Kristen, you've got five and lots of different age ranges. So tell me about how that looks like in your house and how you prioritize the story of Jesus' birth, but also recognizing that what they're getting at school and out in the world is very much secular driven. Um, so like they both said, we had a nativity, or we do have, I still have a six-year-old, have a nativity scene that the kids can touch. So I had my fragile one and they knew from a very early age that they can't touch it. And they listened for the most part. Um, but then little people, you know, the, that brand, little people, they have a great nativity scene. Um, and every year we get it out, it plays away in a manger. Um, 
my kids would sing to it, and they'd move the people around, and it was just a great, it was a sweet thing to see them playing with baby Jesus. I will say, was it last year that King Charles became the king? I don't know, but my five-year-old thought that Joseph was King Charles, so he got a little confused, um, but um, it is, I would definitely, that's one big thing for Christmas that'll be a sweet memory for me as I get older is just having um, those that little nativity scene for them. Um, another thing we did is try to not let Santa overtake Christmas, and we give three gifts from Santa to our kids, just like Jesus received three gifts. That's how we did that correlation, and then everything else was from mom and dad. So we did have our three Santa gifts, and we gave them the rest. Um, I do know one thing that we talked about is... Um, from the early age, telling your kids there is no Santa. Um, and for us, we decided not to do that. Um, it just seemed like a big, a heavy burden on little kids to try to navigate that at five, six years old. Um, but we always tried to just talk about that Santa was there to bring joy and to, to give. And I never, any of my kids, when they found out about Santa, none of them were mad or accused me of lying to them. Um, I just try to present it as it's now their turn, now that they know the secret, it's to be able to give joy to others and that let them share in the magic for the younger siblings and also to their friends um, and just presented it as Santa was there to help bring joy and to give to others. Awesome. So you've got Santa gifts, you've got mom and dad gifts, you've got grandparent gifts. It's like all the things. And um, one of the questions that we got that moms just feel overwhelmed by the influx of things coming into their home over the holidays. And if you've got a December baby, that was poor planning on your part. And so I don't even know, sorry. Um, that's just double the stuff. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so how do we manage the overwhelming amount of gifts? Um, and Kristen, we're back to you. <laughs> So a good thing to do right about now is to start having your kids go through their toys to have them pick some things to give away to those kids that don't have anything. Fair warning, that toy that they have not played with for six months will they all of a sudden become their favorite toy and they don't want to give it away. <laughs> um, but it's a great way to have them start learning to give away something of their own to other kids. And you can use it as a great teaching opportunity that other kids aren't gonna get all of these new toys on Christmas, so that helps involve them in the process. Um, and then you can have um, just a candid conversation with your in-laws and with your own parents of not wanting to overload the kids with a million Barbies and trucks and all of those presents that after a few weeks or a few days, they're not gonna really care that much about. Um, one thing that we have really started doing with ours is experience gifts. Um, my mother-in-law always bought us Six Flags season passes. And so every time we went to Six Flags, the kids would know that Oma bought this for us. And it just gave us something that we could do together. And it wasn't just that little Barbie that they forget about. Um, if your parents are local, you could do a zoo gift certificate or a zoo season pass, or I guess it's a year pass. And your parents could take them to the zoo. Um, the, the chef... Um, yeah. thing that the M&M was about, that would be a great gift. And so just more things that they can experience for longer and have something more that they can remember. And, you know, when my kids are older, they're going to remember more of those things that they did with their grandparents than the small little trinket that they got one year for Christmas. You're so right. And if you have Legos, 
we have lots of Legos. I'll just throw this in here. The Lego brick store in Noonan will let you turn in your your Legos and they'll pay like give you a gift card back to the store. So our boys do that. You can clean out all your Legos and we just go take them in a big Rubbermaid bin and then I just let the kids split down the middle half and half to buy new Lego sets or save for a rainy day. So if you're you want to purge that way. I don't think that works the same for Barbies. I don't know. I have boys. Um, all right. So speaking of generosity and giving back, that sometimes gets lost. And we've briefly talked about the angel tree, uh, about having to give back. You can certainly involve your kids into that and doing Operation Christmas Child boxes. Um, Terry, you've talked a little bit when we talked about giving back through service. Can you talk a little bit about that in your world um, and what that looked like with your kids? One of the things we did early on is involve our kids in some type of service. We've taken them downtown where we've served the homeless. We've gone to nursing homes where we've gone around and done caroling. I know that's kind of an old thing, but you know, the residents, sometimes we're the only people they see. And our children really started to appreciate and understand the difference of, you know, the elder generation, you know, um, one of the challenges is making sure our kids can communicate with all ages, and this was a great opportunity. And in addition to that, um, one of the things that stuck out that I shared, you know, with the ladies that kind of shocked me because my husband didn't tell me he was going to do this. So we, back when Toys R Us was open in Fayetteville, he took him to Toys R Us and he said, pick out anything you want. Pick out anything you want, I'm thinking. And so they did. And then we got in the car after, you know, they watched him pay for it. We got in the car and he drove to a church. He said, now walk in there and I want you to give it away. Y'all. <laughs> that didn't sit well. But you know what? It's a lesson they never forgot. Because he said, why would we just give them what's left over? Let's give them our best. And I'm not, you know, saying that to shame anybody or make anybody feel bad. It was a lesson for me. And so one of the things that kind of came off of that later um, was even going into um, neighborhoods. We'd go buy up turkeys or hams, and we would just go knock on doors. And they'd go, I, I can't pay for this. And I go, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants you to have this, and he wanted me to tell you he loves you. And our kids started to really understand that more. So it's, it's about really looking for an opportunity for maybe you and your family to find out what works for you. Um, and then the last thing that I would share is when it comes to service, you know, one of the things that um, my children, outside of what I've already shared, had to really understand is, you know, there's an abundance that comes under the tree, and then you've got, you know, in-laws that give them things and whatnot. And so they end up with a lot of stuff, and sadly, they don't even play with half of it secretly when they were little, I would like take half of it and go put it in the closet and rewrap it for next year. It worked. But um, <laughs> one of the things that we did was we would ask them to go through their things before Christmas. Like right now is a good time. And, you know, at first it was a little hard because they didn't understand why am I having to give away my toys? And I said, here's the perspective. You're about to get some new things. How about looking for things that you know that if some single mom was coming through better way, goodwill, whatever, and she really didn't have a lot of money and she just wanted something nice for that little boy or little girl, how would you feel about giving away your gift, you know, your toy to her? 
y'all, they start throwing stuff in the box because it was the perspective, right? It wasn't just trying to take it from them. It was helping them to understand who they could help. So that's how we handled that. Yeah, and just along anything we're trying to teach our kids uh, more is, is, is caught than taught. You know, are they seeing us be generous in the way that we live our lives? And so um, I think you're right to help them understand that um, in Christmas and throughout the whole year. So along the lines of gratitude, we've all been that mom sitting at a birthday or a Christmas and watching that child open up a toy that they already have or that they don't want or wasn't the model they wanted. And so how can you coach those little ones to open that gift with with graciousness and etiquette? (laughs) Okay, we would practice beforehand. And... um, It seems silly and it's awkward, but it works. And what I would try to tell my kids is just to think about whatever gift you get that that person went through time or took time to go to the store and to think about what you really wanted. And that's what you should be thanking them for, not the material gift that they gave you. Um, And, you know, not to open a gift and be like, we already have this. Um, And so we always did that with them and it worked well. Um, so just practicing that with them and helping them see that it's not about the actual gift, but that that person thought of them and wanted to do something to make them happy. Um, another thing that we do are thank you notes. And especially this time, day and age, people don't do handwritten letters very much anymore. And so that is something that I do with my kids. And when they're little, it's a lot on the mom because you write all the letters and all the notes. Um, But as they would get older, you know, even at one, they could scribble on the paper with a crayon. And a grandma that opens that up, it makes her heart happy to see that. Um, As they got a little older, I would write the note, and then the kids would write their name. And again, it's this big block letters of their name. Um, And I bet the grandparents keep those as just something that's special. And then as the kids get older, then they are responsible for writing their own thank you letters. And... um, just to something to do. It doesn't have to be long, but it just teaches them an art that the kids today don't know how to do. I will caution you, I always would address the envelopes, and my 18-year-old needed to do his own the other day, and he had no idea how to address an envelope. So, see you the whole way. Do the note and have them do the envelope, too. That's awesome. Um, So, whether you stay home or go away for the holidays, there are just some things that come up that, you know, are uncomfortable, and one of the questions that we got in a couple different fashions and forms was, you know, how do we handle things that, I want to get this right, um, what if other members of the family are doing things differently than how you would do it? I think there was the specific question was like family members who swear or cuss or do things differently, but no matter what it is, there's a couple of principles that um, we want to share with you to navigate that with your family and Kristen. Although they don't know how to address notes, they, we've talked about this, right? (laughs) I have that family member. So, um, We have um, a brother and sister-in-law that raise their kids very differently than we do. Um, They cuss a lot. They cuss at each other. They cuss at their kids. Um, And we had to make the decision early on if we were going to continue to be around them or just distance ourselves from them. And for us, we didn't want to lose that relationship. Um, So we had to have a lot of conversations with our kids before we would meet up with them and just explaining to them why we parent differently and help them understand why. For instance, um, with a a dad that cusses at his daughter, we try to explain that a dad's role is to teach their daughter how they should be treated and how their future husband should treat them one day. And just try to explain to them why we do things differently. 
um, but also still set the expectation that just it's just because it's okay for the other family doesn't mean that it's okay for our kids to do that when they're around them and just let them know what we expect from them beforehand. Um, even when they were really little, they understood. Um, and again, for us, the relationship was more important. We've asked them to try to watch their mouths when they're around our kids. Um, but also we knew in our hearts that all the days of parenting that we had put into our kids, three days a year around my brother-in-law and sister-in-law isn't gonna change everything that we had done. So that's, that's right. how we did it. Yeah, so having those kind of expectations and conversations. And then there's just some things that you're gonna have to compromise on. You know, your littles may not get their second nap or you might not have zero sweets before dinner. And so, um, Martha, how did you decide with your kids what you were willing to compromise on? What was the underlying theme for that decision for your holiday experiences? We, um, when my kids were little, we always went to my mother's and I have, there was probably about 20 of us there and it was chaotic. And you just have to let go the things that aren't that important, like baths, getting their teeth brushed, um, <laughs> things like that. You decide beforehand what you're not going to um, allow, but it's only a few days and you can get them back on schedule. It's hard, but it's worth preserve their relationships. That's right. Stacy. I'm going to do a time check. Are we good for five more minutes? How's everybody feel? Feel good? Are we easing the stress levels? They're going down? Yes? Good. Okay. All right. Well, we're good for five. We'll wrap it up by five. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure. All right. I'll try to make these kind of quick. Finding time for yourself during the holidays. <laughs> Is that a thing? Um, okay. Martha and uh, Terry, if you'll briefly touch on that. Martha, you go first. That way we can make the most of our remaining few minutes. Yes. Um, it is really hard to find time, and especially on those few days, it's really not about you. So um, just to have that perspective, I would always plan when I was working or with littles, I would get a babysitter or make, have Ed keep our children, and I would go out and just wander around. I would do a Christmas open house with friends that see how other people decorate. It was always fun. But now as our kids are, have gotten bigger and it's just my husband and myself, we, um, we always go to the Legacy Theater and see their Christmas show. And it's always good and it's just something that I am not going to compromise. I'm going to do that every year. So find something that you want to do and that's what you do. It could change every year, but compromise, don't, don't compromise that time with something else. And it doesn't have to be done before December 25th, right, Terry? There's other days. Tell us. Hot mic. Yeah, one of the things that um, we did um, several years ago, and it's become very valuable, and that is during Christmas, during the holidays from Thanksgiving on, you know, as Martha said, we kind of shoulder most of the burden. Let's be, let's be real, right? Um, whether you're the one shopping for the gifts or you're the one who's preparing the meals and orchestrating all, you know, your travels. But one of the things that we did it was we realized we don't have to do it all before the 25th. Now you have to do those things. But taking care of yourself, schedule something now for after Christmas. One of the things we did with our small group, we went to Maggiano's. We had a blast. It was like the Friday after whatever Christmas was that year. And we had so much fun because guess what? Presents have been bought, gifts have been opened, 
in-laws have left. And so, you know, <laughs> we had so much fun just gathering together. So I would encourage you, make that a time for you to get together with your girlfriends. You know, set something up now or a getaway for you and your hubby. Whatever you, you know, need to do. But don't forsake yourself because you are self-sacrificing. You know that. Mm-hmm. But it's all, you know, uh, for the love of your family. But you're important too. Don't lose yourself in the process. And just set something up now. And I promise you, you will thank me later. All right, we'll pull the audience here before we talk about the next point, And we'll start to wrap this up. How many of you have already put up Christmas decorations? It's okay. You're in a safe space. How many? Oh, not, okay. How many of you are like, we don't put up after Thanksgiving. That's the law. Okay, how many of you are like, we don't even know. Where are they? They're in the attic. I have no idea where they are. Okay. A tree fell on our attic, and we don't even have a Christmas tree yet. So, you know, we're just going to... We may have to draw one with chalk or something. Okay. All right, Kristen, how do you manage the decorations over the holidays? So I used to always be the one who waited until after Thanksgiving to put it up, but it became a chore, and it was, I have to do this, and it was stressful. I was trying to buy gifts and get my Christmas card picture taken. We all know how stressful that is, Um, and I changed that just a few years ago. I finally learned the secret. Um, I put my stuff up early in November. It takes the stress out. It makes it more fun. I get to do it instead of I have to do it. Um, And it also helps me get into the spirit of Christmas. And so that's one thing that I've learned um, for me personally that helps make it not so stressful. Martha, I'm coming to you next. So just briefly look at your notes. I'm skipping a bit so she doesn't like that. Um, Giving you a fair warning. Talking about holding it all loosely as we start to wrap this up. No matter what you take today, whether you're putting your Christmas decorations up November 1st or three gifts from Santa, all the rest from mom and dad, we've given you a lot of things. But Martha, what is really important? What, um, what, would, you, what would you help close us out with? Choose what gives you joy. It's not about you. Hold it loosely. Sometimes the chaos and the craziness drives me crazy. I like things ordered, but... The craziness is often what your kids are going to remember the most. Um, Thank you. So thank you, the panel. Can you all give them a hand? Be kind to yourself. Perfection is definitely not the goal. In our notes, I wrote, um, our own Savior was born in a stable. Certainly not perfect and probably not their plan either. It's okay to say no. It's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to do things different one year to the next. Um, I'm gonna pray for us before I dismiss you to your small groups, okay? Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today with grateful hearts, lifting up all the moms during this holiday season. We thank you for the precious gift of motherhood and for the love and dedication that these women pour into their families every day. We recognize that the holiday season can bring joy and stress, and we just ask, Lord, for strength and wisdom for you to guide them through this time. Help them to find moments of peace amidst the busyness and grant them the ability to prioritize what truly matters. Father, we pray for the rest and rejuvenation for these moms. May they find moments to recharge and refresh their spirits. Grant them the energy they need to fulfill their responsibilities with joy and grace. We ask for your presence to be felt in their homes, bringing a sense of peace and harmony. Help them to create an atmosphere of love and joy for their families where memories are made and traditions are cherished. Remind us that we are never alone, for you are always with us. Help us to find solace in the cherished moments and hope of being with you one day. In your name we pray, amen.